Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, where each week Jonathan and his co-host interview the leading experts in WordPress, e-learning, and online marketing. Jonathan, take it away. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is episode 528. We've got a, a star of the WordPress community, a grandee, one of the old guard, Napoleon's old guard, I would say. We got Corey Miller joining us, and it, Corey, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. I, I think it's going to be a, a fascinating discussion. Can you quickly introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers that might not know who you are? You bet. Gosh, five hundred and twenty-eight. Yeah. Well done. Well done. That's awesome. I'm honored to be asked to be on the show. Uh, my name is Corey Miller, and in two thousand eight, I started a company called iThemes. And initially we did WordPress themes. And then over the next couple of years after 2008, we kind of got into plugins or hit plugin at the time. And still probably, I think, is uh, Backup Buddy. Uh, eventually we um, acquired a plugin called Better WP Security and rolled our, it rebranded that to iTeam Security. Uh, we built iTeam Sync. And then in 2018, uh, sold iThemes to, we were acquired by Liquid Web, a great premium web hosting company. And uh, in 2019, I left the team and uh, embarked on my next chapter. So today, I kind of think of myself as like a project entrepreneur. I've got about six or seven uh, projects that are all either clients or single, you know, LLC companies. And, uh, that's because I like to, I like diversity. I like to work on different things and, um, you know, a passion of mine last for, for most of my life, but particularly the last five years if I, as I've talked about it publicly is mental health and getting ready to launch my first professional project related to that field in the next month. And I'm really excited to do that. And you're actively involved in the podcast newsletter website post, post status as a partner, aren't you? Yes, I'm a co-owner, partner of poststatus.com, um, a membership community for WordPress entrepreneurs, developers, agencies, all the gamut. If you do WordPress for a living, poststatus is, is your home. Yeah, it's a great and podcast. I'm, I recommend you should listen to it. And I've got my great um, co-host, Adrian. Adrian, would you like to introduce yourself to the new listeners and viewers? Hi, everyone. My name is Adrian. I am the CEO and founder of Groundhog. We help small businesses launch their funnel, grow their list, and scale their business with proven marketing automation and CRM tools for WordPress. And we had our, one of our biggest months for a long time last month of new listeners and viewers. Thank you so much for joining the WP Tonic Tribe, and hopefully you will keep on listening. Like I say, it was a great um, it was great to see that the figures have gone up considerably um before we go into the main part of the interview um uh, i want to talk about one of our main sponsors and that's kinster hosting kinster hosting um they've been the main sponsor for the past couple of years if you're looking for quality hosting for yourself or for your clients let's say got a woocommerce project a learning management system project you need quality hosting for yourself or for your clients and that's what you get with kinster all the modern technology based on google cloud 
plus fantastic UX design, fantastic support, um, everything that you need to run a website and not have any continuous problems with your hosting. That's what you get with Kinsta. So if that sounds interesting, I suggest you go over, buy one of their packages and also tell them that you heard about them on the WP Tonic Show. So before we go on to some of the main themes of the show, Corey, um, obviously iThemes um, recently required Restrictive Content Pro from Pippin, um, Sands Hill Development. Um, was you surprised about the purchase or did you think that it was a well-fitted purchase that benefited both sides? I was surprised, but like I told Matt Danner, who's the general manager of iThemes, and we walked together for 10 plus years, uh, an amazing guy, an amazing friend. Um, I was high five and I was excited. I was like, man, this is such a good score Um, because I'm also a customer of RCP. I use it on a couple of my sites. And so I was pumped. I think it's it's. It's awesome. It's it's a bittersweet moment too, though, is seeing this team running without me, you know, uh, but also such a proud moment that like that team led by Matt is awesome. And strategically, like he never bounced any of that off me. You know, he didn't need to. He's got his own vision and everything. And I thought that it's it's a great score for the iThemes community. I we had built a e-commerce plugin back in the day, iThemes Exchange, and it was it was my biggest product failure. <laughs> so I'm pumped that they're getting back into that game, specifically in a niche that is growing. I mean, extremely popular right now. And plus, like, who better to, if you're going to acquire a product, Pippin and his team. Um, can I, before we go into the main theme of the conversation, which is going to be the, what is the value of a lead in 2020? Um, and also talk about your work and mental health as well. You know, you mentioned exchange, exchange and it was your biggest failure. On reflection, I, 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 why do you think it was a failure? Because, in you know, um, uh-huh. it was a good product, and I, I actually think there was a there was a niche area for it. So why why do you classify it as a failure? Um, and, and by the way, I don't get, uh, failure is just a part of, you know, Adrian, you know, this and your startup too, like not saying you're failure. I'm just saying like, as a startup entrepreneur, you understand this, like failures are just part of the gig, man. It's if, if you weren't, if we, the three of us weren't okay with failure, we wouldn't be entrepreneurs. We wouldn't be doing what we're doing. Um, that's what separates us out from those that choose not to. I'll just take a paycheck. So I say failure is like, it's, it. I understand why you use that term because compared to the enormous success you had with other products and services, you would classify it. I understand. But um, so I understand why you use, utilize that wording. So if I, if I say it was my biggest failure, it's because one, number one, it cost a lot of money, a significant amount of money. I think at one point we, we probably said probably four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars. That is that is a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, um, and so I said, you know, learning you should failure and mistakes you should learn from it. And I'm like, man, I paid a lot of money for that learning. <laughs> what have I learned from it? And a couple of come come to mind. Uh, we held on too long for sentimental reasons. I fully affirm what you said, Jonathan. Like I love 
iThemes Exchange that became Exchange WP and a couple of people tried tried their hand at it. Um, I loved it because it was built for me. Simplicity of e-commerce is just, you know, I love WooCommerce, but like you you open it up and you're, oh, overwhelmed. There's a reason why I like RCP for memberships, by the way. It's so simple to use, you know, and we tried to do that with e-commerce. Um, but I held on too long and it was emotional and it wasn't business. It was because we were having this conversation in Chicago with the team back years ago. And we were basically saying, Hey guys, Hey gang, there was two developers on the project and the support person. And they were so talented. And we're like, we can't, Hey, we're pulling the plug next week. You know, we're not, not for your jobs. We're, we just, you're so valuable to us. We want you on other projects that are actually making money. And they were like, we get it. We love it, but we get it. You know, we just want to be around, we just want to do work at iThemes, yeah. you know, no matter what project. Well, that week is when WooCommerce, the acquisition by uh, Automatic dropped. And so that's that's one facet of it is just, well, we can't say we're shuttering this the same week. That's an ego problem. That was a problem. You know, I was making decisions on ego, on emotional, uh, you know, attachment to it. Um, and the second, if I would say, so that was a big one. Like I held on and it cost me a ton of money. And opportunity costs, like those developers and support people, the amazing team members could have been doing stuff that was actually working, you know, applying their firepower, their brain power to that. Um, the other, if I say that, was, let's just round the number up and say it was a half million dollar mistake, failure. What did I learn from that? What, what insights? The second was we didn't niche down. We tried to take this big thing and just go, we're going to do e-commerce. Mm-hmm. Now we had a facet of what we're doing. I'm curious what you, from a product standpoint, Adrian would say to this too. We we attacked a problem, which is e-commerce software is hard to use, but we took on the entire enchilada. And as you know, there's an infinite combination of uh, e-commerce. Like, look how many add-ons there are, whatever they call them at WooCommerce. Probably. Well, are, you do, are you doing digital sales? Are you doing physical sales? Are you doing event ticket sales? Are you doing... Uh, are you going to do bundles? Are you going to do order forms? Is it going to be card? Is it going to be like I want to get, I want to sell my team. I want to give it to my team. But Adrian, is it going to be like a directory? Are we going to have? Are we going to let like third party sellers, you know, sell stuff yeah. on our store? Like, yeah. So that's a that's so, a that's a deep hole. <laughs> hey, Adrian, I want to sell a T-shirt, but I want a membership attached to it, and I want a fourteen day trial. And by the way, I will also want to sell that to my, you know, a group of people. It, the variations you hit it on the head are endless. And we tried to take that on and uh, we didn't niche down. We didn't pick a, pick a spot and go, this is ours and camp on it. And that's a big regret, you know, yeah. like, but if we had done the numbers, this is what RCP connected and back to the recent news with iThemes membership. We had a membership add on that was our strongest used add on. Back in, I think this was 2014 or 15, if we had just camped out in memberships, we would have um, probably been in a different place and not had to shutter it and lose all that money. So first is, you know, uh, emotional letting decisions that should have been made and taking them way too far. Second is not picking up an area, camping out, but trying to eat the whole enchilada. Yeah, I, I mean, I did, I did a, a fair amount. Uh, so Groundhog has been around for two years now. When when we started, there was a fair amount of 
of trying to figure out, well, who, who is our ideal customer and, and, and what kind of scenarios are we going to make good on and what kind of scenarios are we going to say, you know, you're better off with another product, right? If, if you look at something, I guess, in the e-commerce industry, there's, there's, there's kind of the two ways to look at it. There's like the thrive cart mentality, which is, I think, kind of what you were trying to go towards, where it's like super simple, checkout form, you get your products, you have your subscription, like you add that, there's, there's no like complex stuff going on, but it's just like a super easy way to like check out. And then you have the WooCommerce, which is like your whole cart system. And those are like two very different products that do business in two very different ways, but speak to do very different like types of people. We actually have kind of like a, a similar thing to Thrivecart. We, we have our own like sub product. It's not its own. It's called Really Simple Payments, which basically does that whole like just like simple like checkout form, you know, name, address, billing information. You know, you just select one product per order form and like that's that's your subscription and and you're good to go. And it's for a very, very, very specific kind of business, mainly like consultants who want to like collect retainer or people who want to just like build a, like a super simple membership site and charge their monthly subscription and then control access to that. So niching down well, and tackling like e-commerce as a whole must have just been like, well, well, what, what did you even try? I want to know what did you even try to do in order to like take on the whole bucket? We we started with the premise of that e-commerce is too complex, and yeah. that was our premise, and and it was good. Everybody talks about exchange. Like our product page was so well designed. Our designer at the time, Brad Ulrich, amazing, and then Ty Carlson, another UI, they collabed on how to do that and make it like let's we we had a lot of thoughtful conversations about hiding the kitchen sink until you need it, and just getting people to what they actually need to do so that my, honestly, and she, she knows this, but so that my mom could add products and edit products on this software. Right. Um, but like it comes to mind, you were talking about some of your stuff is that start with a customer, you know, with that. And it's, and it's, and it's tough. I'm in this process right now where I've got a couple projects that don't have clear customer profiles. You know, like you said, I think the better word for it or phrase is ideal clients. And, you know, one, having that person in mind, and I did over at iThemes over 10 years. Mm-hmm. The first person that came to mind was myself. I'm not a developer. Right. I wanted everything to be simple and easy to use. So that's the premise we use with um, Exchange. Where we went wrong is saying, is there other, pe- you know, is that a identifiable enough facet problem? And are there a lot of people that are interested in it? And enough to sustain a product with also going like, do they even know it's a problem? Do they even care it's a problem? You know, right. a lot of the products and things I've done in the last couple of years, I specifically had to ask myself, I know it's a problem, but do enough of these people know it's a problem? Exactly. And so oh, that I whole mean, entrepreneurial thing is interesting. Yeah. I, a Chris from Lifter LMS talks about the whole customer centric business a lot. And, uh, and I learned a lot from him about it, where you, when you're initially designing your core offering, uh, everything comes from the starting with the customer. When I, when I started, I, having come from Infusionsoft and having come from other CRMs, I was looking like you at the, the problem or coming up from product out instead of customer out and saying, we're just going to make marketing automation easier and, and simpler because marketing automation is hard. And that's true. But we, we, we ended up not hitting 
home with a lot of people because we, we weren't targeting that spe- a specific type of person. We were just saying, this is a problem and this is how you fix it. And it was like, well, is this a problem that I have? <laughs> Right? Yeah, that's yeah. that, and that's the problem, right? Because they don't they don't realize that that's the problem. So that that's when we've switched over. It's like, all right, well, who's our ideal customer? We're going to target digital marketing agencies, and these are the specific problems that agencies have. And then from from out there, we we are able to reach a little bit of a broader audience. But starting with the customer is just like the the only it's, way to do it. In my now, for, it's for the us. only way to do it. But it's you hit it on the head. It's the hard one. It's like we go. It's the hammer and nail. I've got a cool hammer. You came out of digital you know, in digital marketing and automation and go, I've got a hammer, man. I know how this works. I know how to make it better. And then, you know, the phrase is like, everything becomes a nail. So then you try to hit the hammer with the nail. When we know the more organic and uh, dare to say right way, but you know, the more organic way to do it is start with the customer and their needs and then follow that path. Uh, You know, on a simple level, it's, that's what I did in 2008. It was me as the avatar like I, in 2008, Nadrian, I don't know how long you've been in WordPress, but you know, it was, let's see, 12 years probably ago. Probably around, I, I probably joined WordPress around 2014. Awesome. It, what a good time to be in WordPress too. But this is going to shock you, but like at some point there wasn't drop down menus in most themes. <laughs> and I wanted drop down menus so you could use WordPress really as a CMS. And we hit that. And that was helpful at that time. But then the, the market got much more advanced really quickly. But, you know, RCP, I'll go back to Pippin for a second, listening to his interview that we did with Postos with him and Matt. That was one of his first products, and he started with himself. He wanted to build a membership plugin that just worked, that was easy, but it was developer-friendly. And look how popular it is. You know, it got very, very popular. So did EDD. And, but, you know, I think that's a, I'm curious to hear your take on this, but, you know, the whole design it for yourself kind of thing and I don't know. Some ways you can get off base on that. I think it's back to this serve the customer and know who that is. And there's enough of them to sustain your business is probably the, the better way for me. There's a ton of truth to that. I mean, if I were to build myself a product, it would be a lot more advanced than it is. Uh, And in a lot of ways, it's actually a lot more advanced that I actually wanted it to be in the first place. Yeah. You know, listening to the customer and all that, and they want stuff that gets more advanced. So it, it and 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 that reflects it. But if uh, you know, as the owner and as the product developer and and kind of like the visionary behind a lot of the stuff that goes on, it's easy to to identify problems that you yourself have that the majority of your customers might may or may not actually have. So you end up spending a whole bunch of time working on something that they don't actually need. I remember I did this early on. I'm like, you know what we need? You know, having an app would be really nice, right? We yeah, build, you know, having a mobile app where they can check their contacts. A lot of other CRMs have that and their customers, you know, I don't actually know if their customers are using it or not, but, you know, you look, go see like the active installs count on the app store and whatnot. And like, it looks like people are using it. So maybe that's something that we should have in order to compete. So I, I spent uh, not five, not half a million dollars, but a significant amount of money for a startup over the course of several months building this app. And then, you know, what? one day I was talking to Chris and he's like, well, we only build what people ask for. And I'm like, well, nobody asked for this app. <laughs> so I went back into the, I went to the group and I'm like, does anybody want this? And they're like, eh. <laughs> so it was, and you know, we only had at that point, like, you know, a few hundred customers anyway. 
And it was yeah. just like a total, it was just a total waste of time because, you know, I didn't ask what they actually wanted and our time would yeah. have been much better spent focusing on other problems that they actually have rather than what I personally thought that they might need based on what other people are doing. That's so tough too. So like you said, a hundred, you know, a couple hundred customers, that's a good sample size to me. Some of my projects though, that I'm on now, uh, don't have a couple hundred, they have like 80, you know, and it's hard to get this. It's if I'm just describing the entrepreneurial journey, particularly with start starting something new is in that first, you're trying to pair what we're talking about. Like you should have opinions about the product, you know, you have strong opinions about if you don't, then you don't, there's not really like, you don't really know yeah. where to go next. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But it's, it's this tough thing. And again, this is why if entrepreneurship was easy, everybody would do it because you got opinions here and thoughts and assumptions that you're making. And then you're trying to get enough of a sample size on people that go, yes, I will give you money in exchange for what you're offering. A couple of my, several of my projects are in this exact phase and I'm, it's a struggle. You know, I, I uh, drew a picture of a snowball. I want to show you my fancy graphic. I'm not an Let's artist, Adrian. Uh, like, so I'm going to describe it for anybody who's doing audio only. Oh yeah, right. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's so, a we got a line, and it's like uh, it's like motion blur of a snowball going over this this nice arc. Yeah. So on the uphill of the snowball, snowball starts out. There's a small little thing, and you're like, it's this is exciting. Like that's what you're like, you know. I'm going to do this with marketing automation. Yeah. And that's, that's similar to exchange or anything else we're talking about. It's like, I'm going to do this. I'm excited. But the snowball is, is small and it's this arduous, uh, you know, uphill battle in the snow and the blizzard that you're trying to create this snowball. And all of this along the way, it, it's I, after you get past that excitement, it's like, this is just a slog. And this sucks, and this sucks, and this sucks, and this sucks. And you get to the tip of the hill with the snowball, and maybe there's just a little bit more, you know. And a lot of stories you talk about success similar to this, you know, bloggers and different entrepreneurs that you, they said that like they did it's this easy for five to get years. wrapped up when you see those people on Facebook and they have like I I made this in like six months and I have a Lamborghini. Like even if that's true for the people that it is true, because some people manage like you know they just hit the lottery and the stars align and you know. Yeah. And like they have a hundred percent conversion rate on their webinar. They're like famous overnight for the vast majority of people. That's not what happens. <laughs> Myself, and I would also say I'll keep this PG, but that's called BS. Like, <laughs> you know, everybody that has a story like that, it's not an overnight thing. You're like, okay, maybe that particular transaction happened in six days, but what about the 20 years you spent building your reputation, your audience in this, but the key about the snowball is you get over this hump and then it starts build the snowball starts building on itself and then it takes minimal effort to just make it go faster bigger you know but that slog is the this journey of entrepreneurship like in the very first is just figuring out like i'm in this mm-hmm. so assumptions that we talked about and getting enough sample size to say okay this this is what they actually need and that's the tough part like was when I talk to uh, budding entrepreneurs, I always say like, build your audience first if you can. You know, build the, the money's always that. been in the list, man. The money's in the list. You got to build the money's list. The list, yeah. It's your platform. Um, the biggest here's the biggest example in WordPress I have of this. It's it's Syed Balki, my good friend at WP Beginner. We started around the same time he started WP Beginner. And I remember this young kid, hustling kid, pinging me, saying, I'll wear your shirt at WordCamp, so you're sponsoring me. 
And, but all along, he just did the consistent thing, rolled the snowball until now, like he is gobbling up and owning most of the uh, industry. And rightfully so. He's so strategic and brilliant in it. And he, I give it to him. I just say like. Syed Balki I, I say, and his company I just tell him I'm jealous. Like 50% of the top installed WordPress plugins. It's ridiculous. Took, this guy's this guy's influence over over WordPress, really. Yeah, he's such an amazing human being too. But he and a dear friend. But uh, he, it's because it goes back to like everybody wants the audience he has built at WP Beginner, and he has done so much with that platform. Everything you just mentioned, he did it from the platform called WP Beginner, and he had other properties I didn't know about. I knew him for years and didn't even know about it. But outside of WordPress. But WP Beginner, it's just still, it's like he owns it because he owns the audience, which is incredible. Um, so that's why I tell people start with audience. Uh, sometimes you don't have that luxury. You know, I need to be building product and audience at the same time, trying to match this together. But it's tough. Like you're two years into Groundhog and uh, I'm sure that that it's been we have a, a little bit more a than a few hundred now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank goodness. But yeah, no, we have a we have a very decent sample size of people to collect feedback from and we're working so on like Groundhog the, 3 now and it's all it's all well and good. So if you look back on your journey, I'm gonna interview you now. What were the <laughs> catalytic moments that happened? You know, uh, like when you started to hit the tipping point past the hundred customers, and you know, what were those things that got you here today? I mean, so it was the the slog was real through year one. So I started so from August to August 2018, August 2018 to August 2019. It was a slog, very minimal revenue, few hundred people, users, and like less than a hundred actually paying customers at that point. Uh, and I mean that, and we were talking about, it, and that's just because I was I was targeting the, the the problem all wrong. I was like, we're gonna make marketing automation easier. Marketing automation and CRM is this huge thing with massive players in the industry. You look at. Active Campaign, Infusionsoft, HubSpot, Salesforce, Marketo. There's like the list is like super long because it's one of the most prolific industries because every business needs a list. And the people who own the data that control the list are the people who make the real money. So it's this massive industry with massive players, you know, and we're just like this small little WordPress plugin. I'm like, I'm just going to make it easier and I'm going to make it for WordPress and people are going to love it and people are just going to use it because, you know, it's on WordPress and it's free, Right. And then uh, I went to Cabo Press uh, on Chris's recommendation, and he got he got me a ticket. He got me an invite, so I went and uh, I, I spent the four or five days there, and that just like changed my whole perspective on it. And I learned that you know it's not actually about the product; it's about whatever the customer needs. And I, I shifted my whole view. I shifted my entire pricing model. I shifted pretty much my 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 whole view of how business and how entrepreneurship is supposed to work. Uh, and from there, it's still been it's still been uphill, but the the slope is slowly you know flattening out uh, right now. And by the time Groundhog Three comes out, probably about Q one, we're gonna we're gonna just start rolling downhill, and it'll be a little bit a little bit easier from that point on. So awesome. when when that switch happened, and when that you know you learn that it it goes customer out, you you identify the problems that they have, and you pick your niche. That's like, so like the, the, the super important is like you pick your ideal customer. Ours is the digital marketing agency. Once you, once you pick that person, everything kind of just like falls into place. 
the pricing becomes easier because you know what those people can afford. You know what the, their expectations of service are. You know what their expectations of functionality are. You can solve specific niche problems. Like one of the problems that agencies have using Active Campaign or using Infusionsoft, for example, is that it's hard to, to move strategies that they've implemented in one business to another business really easily. You can't just like export a campaign and then move it over easily. It's a, it's, an, it's, an, it's a difficult process that requires going through multiple steps. And for our stuff, we're like, we're going to solve this problem just by just like, you can download a funnel directly to an export file and move it anywhere. Like totally decentralized. Awesome. Right. And that's, yeah, that's awesome. one of the big things we make it like white labeled so that their customers don't even know that it's groundhog and they just pay us like an extra licensing fee for that. We made that really easy. And we just started solving like these super niche problems and it just makes their lives incredibly easier. And as soon as we started doing that, life life, life was better. <laughs> no, yeah. Knowing who you're hitting and then t- asking what are their problems. Like you said with the app, like I did that with Sync. We built an iOS app, probably cost us, I don't know, $25,000. And then, you know, a handful of people use it. It wasn't something requested to your point earlier. It wasn't a selling st- point, right? It was, it's, yeah. it's one of those things that's nice to have, but didn't actually make any money. Right. When, especially when you're starting a new project and a new business and you're a new product, you have to, you have to ask yourself, all right, is this, is, is the investment that we're going to put into this actually worth the amount of money that it's going to bring us? Right. We, we build a lot of extensions, a lot of integrations, not necessarily, you know, some of them that are easy to do because we know that people actually are going to use them and they're not necessarily selling points, but we get some like, you know, huge major asks from some of our clients but we know that if we like invest in that, that's going to be used by like maybe like three people. And we're just going to have to say, sorry, the, the, the market size to do this is not going to, you know, warrant the investment. Right. And those are the kinds of decisions that we have to make now is like, now that we know a little bit better that, you know, just because you, you know, if you build it, they won't necessarily come, <laughs> I guess is what I'm trying exactly. to say. Yeah. Oh yeah. The the things that I thought were going to be these home runs became the ones that weren't the ones that I was like, yeah, this is cool. Let's go do that. Uh, became the ones like, you know, it's a serendipitous thing of like mostly being surprised, but you know, I told people over the years, if I had uh, a, if there was a book that could archive everything we did, it would be titled stumbling successfully because you know, a lot of this time you're making it up. Maybe you have models for it, you know, that you can look like, I'm trying to figure out how to price this. Okay. Well, there's other people I can go look at pricing, but for the most part, I feel like in entrepreneurship, you're making it up as you go. And we tried to make, it's, it's, you know, looking back, it's like tried to make the decisions that would uh, not cause us to fall on our face, not actually fall. But if we stumbled, you know, like, the exchange decision wasn't one that would make it fall, make us fall, but we sure stumbled, you know, we could have been better off, but I feel like that's, most of us don't have it. You know, most of us don't have it all mapped out and have all the answers. We're trying to figure it out as we go and make the right decisions. And it's guesswork. That's guesswork. There's, there's, I mean, there's, there's, there's no question. I mean, the, the way that I've been able to get to where I am is just by asking other people lots of questions. <laughs> and It's a great and, way and to be. It's me too. <laughs> asking lots of people questions and then, you know, making projections and, you know, saying, you know what, this might work. And then, you know, it, it either does or doesn't. I've, I've had a couple product blunders myself, not, not nearly to the point. I mean, so the app for one. Number two was we had our own sending service for a while. 
uh, we invested a lot of money in that and but just like the technology on the back end wasn't work and people didn't really understand the value and they didn't understand the offer and it was just most people just wanted to just buy AWS anyway so we went we and that's a much more successful yeah. product than our original sending service even though it was our own brand and everything uh, even as we talk about this, it just solidifies starting with somebody that has a problem, identify a problem they're may, you know, probably irritated, pissed off about, or trying to cobble together and just frustrated about, you know, and, yeah. you know, it's like you said, let's say take an agency, they want to be able to replicate what they're doing, the funnels that work across projects. Well, that's time consuming and they bill by the hour, most of them, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you come up with the solution and say, you can do this. And by the way, you can rebrand it with white labeling for an extra fee, and then you get to sell to your client like you're the genius. Um, I think this is a great way to to uh, offer solutions in the world for sure. Yeah. Okay. So Jonathan, I don't know where Jonathan went, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take over Jonathan to do the less the rest of this logistical thing. So we're gonna take a break really quickly, and then we're gonna come back, and we are going to talk about the value of a lead, which is something that Corey's been working on, and he's really excited about for for one of his projects. And he needs to tell us more about the calculation that he's done to to generate the value of a lead for his business, and that's gonna be super exciting. So stay tuned, and we'll be back shortly. Are you a WordPress consultant, designer, or small digital agency owner? Then you need WPTonic as your trusted white-label developer partner for your next big e-learning or WooCommerce project. WPTonic has the knowledge to help you build out custom functionality that your clients need in LearnDash, Lifter LMS, and WooCommerce. WPTonic is well-known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with a full, no-question-asked, 30-day money-back guarantee. So don't delay. Find out how WP Tonic's white label services can help your agency today. Go to wp-tonic.com's homepage and book a free consultation with Jonathan. That's wp-tonic, just like the podcast. And we're back before we go into talking to Corey about how he's come up with the perfect calculation for the value of a lead, uh, we are going to mention our second sponsor for this show. And that sponsor is actually Groundhog, which is super exciting. Uh, So Groundhog is a marketing automation and CRM platform for WordPress. We help small businesses launch your funnel, grow your list, and scale your business. If you are an agency, small business, e-commerce shop, or any business that uses WordPress, you'll be able to benefit uh, from our products. We allow you to create funnels, uh, sales funnels, and timed email marketing automation in order to better communicate with your list and convert visitors into paying customers. You can do that with onboarding funnels, card abandonment funnels. You can do that with webinar funnels. The possibilities are endless, although we do make it extremely easy to get started with lots of pre-built templates and pre-written emails to kind of give you a little bit of guidance as you start embarking on your marketing automation journey. We also have lots of training available and weekly office hours to support you as you implement Groundhog into your business. To find out more about how Groundhog will be able to help you scale up, you can go to Groundhog, and that's with two G's, dot I-O. Again, that's Groundhog with two G's, dot I-O. All right, Corey. So value of a lead. First, let, let, let's contextualize this part of the conversation a little bit. What what project is this for? You say you have eight kind of going on at the same time, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so my partner that really did the work on this was is a virtual CFO. His name is Jeff Mazier. And I posed the question, well, I was working with this client. And I love this client. They're an addiction treatment center. Again, my passion for mental helping with mental health, uh, my, that path led me to this addiction treatment center in Nashville. 
And um, it's a private pay treatment center. And um, I was like, how much, and I'm helping them with digital marketing. I said, how much is a lead worth? Like if somebody hits your contact form or the phone, uh, phone, you know, make a phone call to the treatment center and how much is worth. And the COO tells me like, the contact form, it's two to 6% or something. It's going to probably convert. And I go, well, from e-commerce side, like that's fairly good. I think, you know, from getting a page to convert to something. Two to 6% know, on a, on a, on a generic contact form is, is more than pretty good. <laughs> that's what I said. Now her response was, well, we've got a very limited admission staff and, and the process to figure out, you know, how much is insurance paying all this stuff? It's pretty long and taxing. So I go, okay, well, that's interesting. But I did note that she said, if somebody calls, it's way higher. It's 40 to 60%. And I got my interest in it. And I said, okay, so there's two lead values there, two, two to 6% on the contact form versus this. I know their average price, you know, for a 30 day, 60 day stay. And so I went back to Jeff and I said, how, how can I quantify this, you know, into the value of lead? Cause that would inform if I want to go out, I've, I've very minimally done paid advertising, but if I wanted to go out and spend pay-per-click or Facebook ads or something like, I need to know how much that would be worth to me and the max I should spend when it gets past break even, but have something that is more data driven decision than just like, sounds like we should go do Facebook ads. Well, that doesn't mean anything, you know, you know, like you can actually go down a rabbit trail and spend a lot of money and not do. I anything. did that. <laughs> I did that too. Google ads for years, spent a ton of money on it and didn't even have it tracking with Google analytics. So I wasted a lot of money too. So that's where the conversation came. And this is a part of what we do. One of my projects is called businessvalueacademy.com. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I've had an exit sold iThemes. It was acquired. My partner, Jeff, uh, so, you know, iThemes digital products, Jeff had a medical supply business. And so whole, totally different from like, oh, inventory, what's inventory? I never had inventory, you know? Um, so in Business Value Academy, we talk about these types of conversations, you know, how do you have more, one, increase your value of your business today and for tomorrow, and our, our approach is if you make better decisions by data, don't just go by hunch. Keep your instinct there. Your instinct, like you're talking about Groundhog, is right on. You've got opinions about things. And I think for someone building the kind of software that you do, I want you to have opinions about that. I want you to have deep expertise in that. Um, but the other side is like the data side is, you know, does this. So the value, lead value exercise we put together, and we're going to be offering it later today uh, on a webinar with a free Google Sheet is just trying to help people like they put in their average sales price, um, their campaign goal, and then we make some assumptions. And this would be interesting for you. I would love to give this to you, uh, Adrian, so you can give me some feedback. But I just put like a generic 1% goal conversion, you know? So like if you, were to, if you were to spend a ton of money and put people through the funnel and they got to a landing page from, a, from an ad or whatever, the, yeah. the goal conversion would be the amount of traffic that you send versus the people that actually became a lead, not necessarily a customer. Yes, absolutely. So that's a deeper conversation we started wading through and it was much deeper than I ever, I've ever gotten, you know, my early on 2008 approach was write a bunch of content that helps solve people's problems that they're looking for on the web. So back in 2008, one of them was what is FTP? 
back in the day, you had to upload things for zip files and stuff. You had to use FTP. Now WordPress has gotten way better and you don't have to do that kind of stuff. But back then it was a problem. I wanted them to show up, you know, the whole digital marketing thing, show up on our site, go iThemes is a resource. There's other things, get them on the email list. So, but that was my approach for five, six, 10 years, you know, doing that until. It's a valid approach. And in a lot of ways, it's still valid. Absolutely. Now it's gotten a ton more competitive, as you know. Uh, we lost some ground on SEO because I just frankly didn't update my SEO skills. So I'd have my friend Rebecca Gill come and help us. But um, all that to say, I've never done that exercise. Like we knew how much an average customer was worth. We we I could look at Google Analytics and see conversion rates based on customers too. Um, you know, and so it was like, okay, or if they hit our backup buddy sales page or whatever software, it's a one and 1.5% or something. Well, again, there's 90, whatever other percentage that would be that don't buy, you know? So how do we, we, there's that, that view of that just allows us, okay, we can turn the knob on conversion rate. Do we have a strong, you know, call to action? Are the prices right? Is the message right? All that kind of stuff. But if we wanted to go do pay-per-click, we could say, huh, that might be worth 50 cents a click. And you know this, You've seen it with Google Ads and Facebook. It's a bidding war. Well, I don't want to be stupid and bid. Would you you like to know how much it costs to bid on marketing automation as a keyword? Actually, specifically, uh, marketing automation WordPress. The the Uh, the estimated bid is anywhere from fifteen to forty dollars per click. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> we're going we're gonna to work through this calculator together because then we can reverse engineer that bid and, and with this new spreadsheet that Jeff did and see how much they think their leads and their average value. I bet we can reverse engineer that. That's so interesting because one thing we did is we just go, okay, virtual CFO, CFO for hire. Well, we found it was like, I went to SEM Rush and looked up it and it was like, okay, you know, $15 a click. That yeah, CPC was fifteen dollars. It matched it matched our spreadsheet really well, and I was like, "This is now we're on to something." You talked about Marketo and and some of the bigger enterprise, you know, uh, pieces of software. Up in the public sector, they ha- they do this every day. Most of us small businesses don't do these type of things, and so this is a competitive advantage. Just saying, okay, what is a lead worth? Mm-hmm. If if all these contact you know. For Groundhog, I'd, I'd think if somebody asks a question, they're an opportunity. You just there's something they have taken the step to hit the contact form, type a question. It's good data for you to figure out. You know, is my sales page not clear enough and stuff like that? But they're on the hook. You know, they're interested. Other than someone just, you know, surfing and, through, like I have done by the way, Groundhog. I've looked at Groundhog several times in the last probably six months. So, but if I hit the contact, you've got a name, you've got someone to kind of like go, this is a real human being asking questions. And so uh, to your point, like <laughs> you'd love for a ton of inquiries because you could, you could figure out all the rough edges, why people are having to hit the contact form and not just put their credit card in. Yeah. We have um, live chat. That helps a lot. <laughs> I, I, so, I am going to have to do something though. So we're at the 45 minute mark and Jonathan is going to let yell at me if I let it go past 45 minutes, but there is, there is a, uh, there, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, silver lining. So what we're going to do is we're going to end the podcast part of the show. And then for those of you who are watching live or are going to be listening 
uh, on the WP Tonic website a little bit later, you'll be able to catch bonus content where Corey and I are going to dissect and, and work through and reverse engineer that bid to, to find out the value per lead and, and, and show how that process works. And we're going to do that in bonus content. Corey, hopefully Corey has another 15 minutes to stay on. But until we get there, Corey, what is the best way for people to learn about your projects, what you're up to, and how uh, they can learn more from your seemingly unendingly uh, well of experience? Yeah. Best way to probably get a hold of me or even see what I'm doing is go to my website, Corey, C-O-R-Y, Miller.com. And then I'm on Twitter at, uh, it's like an old AOL type username. It's Corey Miller 303. But CoreyMiller.com is the home. You can find all the different projects and even hit my contact form. And hopefully get like a 2% conversion rate on that. And so you keep mentioning webinar where you're going to continue to go through this process that we're about to go through for the next 14 minutes or so. How do people, if they're watching live here on Facebook, how do people go find that? Businessvalueacademy.com. Businessvalueacademy.com. And uh, we'll have that up, recording up on the blog probably in the next day or so. Um, Beautiful. So anybody listening after the fact will be able to, to see it too. Yes, sir. Awesome. All right. I, well, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. And I want to thank you for, for sharing your, your wealth experience. I, I learned a lot and... Uh, I just I, I just love talking entrepreneurship and business with people, so it's been fun. Okay, uh, thank you, and we'll see everybody next week Thursday, and stick around for bonus content. Thanks for listening to the WP Tonic Podcast, the podcast that gives you a dose of WordPress medicine twice a week.